0: Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across the UK and Ireland, brought to you by Insurance Business. Hello and welcome to IB Talk, the insurance industry podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. My name is Mia Wallace, Senior News Editor at Insurance Business UK, and today I'm joined by Amanda Scott global M&A leader for WTW and a regular provider of thought leadership to the insurance profession on a wide range of subjects. Thanks so much for joining me here today, Amanda.
1: Thank you, Mia. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It really is my pleasure because like so many, I'm an avid follower of your insights into so many pressing topics from empathy to leadership to mental well-being. Can you tell me a little bit about how you first came to use your voice to create change across the profession?
1: Well, firstly, thank you. (laughs) That means a lot. Um, I'm just glad that sharing my perspectives has been helpful to others. So how did I come to first using my voice? I think it it really came from wanting to find a positive outlet to share my ideas and help people um, and to have a broader impact. So actually this coming up May will be my three-year anniversary of restarting my social media journey on LinkedIn. Um, I'd been going through a challenging time at work and I was feeling a little bit powerless at the time. So I decided I needed to take the power back and just really reintroduce myself. Um, And that was the day I decided I was going to have a bigger impact. Find my voice, find my people, and share my ideas more broadly. So it's kind of at that point where I started to fumble my way onto social media, uh, clumsy and awkward, but always learning and growing. So my first post read, uh, current mood when you go big and get shot down, go bigger. So it was from there, I just started small. So by sharing content that was important to me, finding my writing style and ultimately beginning to post ideas and thoughts that were authentic to me. So honest, but always trying to be hopeful. And I didn't know if it was going to create an impact, but I knew I wanted to demonstrate that honesty, authenticity, and kindness were powerful.
0: Well, early congratulations on that anniversary, and how are you finding your social media experience to date? Are you enjoying it?
1: I am enjoying it. It's amazing when you have people who have had a particularly tough time or a bad day reach out to you and just say that what you've, what content you've posted has resonated with them, um, and and just help them think a little bit differently or just more positively. So I find that personal connection very rewarding.
0: Well, I must say I've really enjoyed your posts, and I've really been enjoyed seeing your journey throughout the profession and all the things that you've got up to over the course of your career to date. And just looking at that journey, I wonder: are there any particular role models along the way who've stood out for you?
1: Yeah. So I I have two concepts around role models that I think are critical as people think about what a role model means to them. And I think the first one is. Um, a concept called mosaic role modeling. And I think it's important to recognize that there will never be any one person who is a hundred percent everything you want to be. So it's instead looking at where you find inspiration in the individual pieces that you see other people do well. And then trying to bring each of those elements together into who you want to be, um, and create your own powerful leadership style that feels natural, to who you are. Um, And the second concept I think is really important is, it's not just about finding role models, but finding real models. So people who exist in your world that are extraordinary in different ways and people who are willing to show the gritty truth that career opportunities don't just happen, but you have to take ownership and make them happen. And that sometimes you still fail, but you find other ways and you define what that success means to you. Um, So along the way to your question, I've had some fantastic role models, men and women, um, and I've taken pieces of what I admire and observe and learn from them Um, and just as importantly I've also been lucky to have some great sponsors so people that coach and represent me as well
0: superb I must say it seems that you find inspiration in even the most unlikely of places but looking back what would you pinpoint as maybe the best piece of advice you've received when it came when it comes to finding your voice
1: What makes you odd will make you great. (laughs) I love that. So almost 20 years ago, I started my career as an analyst in the retirement business, taking actuarial exams, doing valuations, benefit calcs, and I loved it. But I was middling at best. I was working hard, getting by, (laughs) but my peers were brilliant. Um, And they outshone me and they outpaced me in promotion and progression. So I tried to fill the gap through extra Effort and 120% billable hour targets and client feedback. But I just knew I didn't fit into the box and I desperately wanted to. So Every performance management meeting I had with my supervisor, I'd go in braced for the feedback, always glazing over the positive feedback to get to the negative so that I could continue to sharpen my focus and just try to get better. Um, Until one day, she gave me this advice uh, that changed everything, which was stop focusing so much on the negative. Yes, you can learn from it and build on it, but also focus on the positives because that's what will make you great. So we took a deep breath and we started over and read through the positive feedback again, um, which really highlighted the fact that I should think about a consulting role based on client feedback and the broader strategic thinking that I like to do. Um, And as a budding actuary hopeful, it was devastating feedback at first. Um, But then I realized she was helping me pivot and she was highlighting my strengths and helping me understand that what makes me odd could make me great. Um, And so from that point on, I just started embracing the client relationships and client focus that I had. I got my MB BA to strengthen my ability for strategic thinking um, and just really Embraced my passions and um, and honesty. So, I did focus still on building a strong baseline of technical competence, um, but I also worked on some of the things that I was strong at as well. Um, and every time I I feel like I no longer fit in a box, I do think back on her advice, um, and and I give that advice often because people do find themselves a round peg in a square hole and feeling like maybe they don't fit in. Um, But yeah, absolutely. What makes you odd will make you great. So using that failure to identify your unique strengths and embrace them.
0: I must say, it's really superb advice. And and since that pivot, you've had so many incredible roles serving the insurance profession. But what have been some standout moments for you in your career that when you began, you might not have believed you would have achieved?
1: I think just some incredible experiences, so having the ability to work in so many different countries with so many different incredible clients. Um, I think one of the most surprising moments for me was moving from a client relationship director into a leadership role and leading a team of almost 300 talent and reward experts in the UK. being able to run a PNL and embrace the the teams and the people was was quite a uh, a wonderful time in my life, um, and I've recently taken on the opportunity to work with and lead the merger and acquisition team, uh, which I absolutely adore. So um, it's it's incredible just what happens when you open your mind up and take risks, um, and it's been great having people around me to support. Um, and guide me as I've been learning. So it's, it is great. Um, yeah, it's, but I guess overall it really is just having the opportunity to work with some of the best minds in industry, whether that's the WTW team or our clients, it really is uh, wonderful to constantly be learning and constantly be challenged.
0: Certainly from the outside looking in, I think a leadership role seems an immaculate fit for you. And you've contributed greatly to a real range of conversations around early leadership and mentoring opportunities. And lately you've helped drive discussion around how to support more women to take up places on boards. Can you tell me a little bit about your work with this piece?
1: Absolutely. So it's critical that we have women in the room where it happens, behind closed doors, looking behind the whatever business phrase you want to use. Um, and it's because we need diverse voices coming up with solutions and new ideas and challenging organizations to think differently, to progress. And One of the things that I've realized is that being on a board doesn't just happen to you. You have to make it happen. And maybe that's how it used to work, where you'd get enough white hair and experience to be invited onto a board. But actually, what I've learned is that it's a skill set that we all can learn and practice through our career. And why is this a subject that you're passionate about? So I'm passionate about it because as women, we can't just wait to be invited to a FTSE 100 board. We need to develop the couth and the skills to be ready for when we're going to step into that boardroom. Uh, So we need to start building up our boardroom resume now, and we can. And that's the incredible part that I think we're missing is that anyone that's listening to this can absolutely be on a board. So it's about starting with what you're passionate about. So find a local charity, school, or company that wants a different voice to help guide their business. Um, and advertise that you're willing to invest time to help. So note it on your LinkedIn or tell your network. Uh, there's a Women on Boards website that are always posting openings. Um, so it's about learning. It's learning good governance, financial management, responsible investing, fundraising. Um, and, and I started with being a board member just at my business school, um, and then I've been on the board of two charities, so a ballet company and a mental health charity. Um, and then I, I started working for Global Women for Wellbeing. Um, and I had just simply mentioned to them that I was looking for a board appointment and I interviewed and now I'm on their board. So it really is just about building out your experience and your CV and anyone can start that process. And
0: what would you say to somebody who maybe wasn't feeling too confident about reaching up and, and taking up that leadership mantle?
1: Well, it's it's interesting because um, you have to figure out what – value you bring and embrace it. And it might be so different to other people that it truly is valuable. Um, And I think that just goes back to my earlier point about uh, figuring out what makes you unique and embracing it. Um, And being able to articulate the value that you add um, is absolutely critical. Um, But if you start small as well, and you come in at trying to be helpful and giving your time, um, I think that that's a, just a really lovely way to start to build out your board experience and, and start to build up that confidence. Um, because it's not as uh, it's not it's not sitting around a big mahogany table anymore. Um, it really is a very different experience for a lot of boardrooms. Um, so finding one that's comfortable that you will be confident in is important.
0: And obviously to date you've had a, a really remarkable career with some great milestones but looking back to how the insurance profession has evolved since you started your career and your journey are you confident about the future for women in insurance?
1: So we did some great research actually with Ermic on the future of the profession um, and I highly look I recommend uh, pulling that up. Um, And we presented the results at the fast track sessions that Aramic run. Um, And one of the most striking findings was actually the shift in gender diversity between the generations in the industry. So if you look at the baby boomers, I think only about 18% were female of the, uh, the people that we surveyed. Um, Gen X is probably about 37% but then the millennials are actually 56% female. Um, so there's an incredible pipeline of female talent. And younger risk professionals are more likely to be female. Um, and actually, it was quite interesting because the survey also suggested that women tend to stay in the risk profession longer than men do. So I do think that there's fantastic opportunity, and it has evolved quite significantly. Um, and, and and frankly, will continue to evolve. So it is. Quite Quite exciting to see amazing diversity coming through.
0: That's really wonderful to hear those statistics. And on the subject of women in insurance, I don't want to put you on the spot, but my sources tell me (laughs) you're a very talented scribe of poems about your experiences and about your career journey to date. And I wondered if you'd mind reading one of those for us here
1: today. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So I'll start with. Can leadership be female and be feminine? When I started my career, I asked for advice on how to grow into leadership. The reply, tie your hair back, wear trousers, less blonde. And I've had a lot of coaching. Deepen my voice, less smiling, stronger body language, be more masculine. Every female leader will likely have had at least one instance where they receive feedback on their look or advice to pull back on femininity to advance. Yet she role modeled a different type of leadership. Leadership can be female and it can be feminine. It can be graceful and beautiful. It can be thoughtful and persuasive. It can be high fashion and pedicures. It can be laughter and empathy. It can be global with coordinating luggage. It can be whatever you want it to be. There is no one way to be a leader. I absolutely love that. That's really remarkable, Amanda. Any chance I could press you for one more? Um, Sure. I used to think that the most valuable impact someone could have on your career is to help you up the ladder. I was wrong. Some also show you that the ladder isn't up, but sideways and squiggly. Some show you that up can also be down. Some support and encourage the climb. Some carry you on their shoulders until you find your footing again. Some teach you that the up is subjective and intrinsic. Some role model and show you a different kind of up. Some mentor and sponsor your up. Some show you that there's value in stillness as well as movement. Some show you it's not about the latter at all. Some remind you that laughter and enjoying the journey is just as important. And while a few do pull the ladder up behind them, luckily, that's the few rather than the some. And when reflecting on those that have had the most life-changing impact on me, it has often been those that have shown me rungs on the ladder that I didn't even know existed.
0: That was really, really lovely, Amanda. And thank you so much for sharing those with us. And and thank you so much for joining us here today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate what you're doing for the industry and amplifying voices across diverse populations and people. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amanda. And for everybody listening, many thanks for joining us
0: here today. And I look forward to welcoming you back next time here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.